Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, could 2019 be the biggest movie year of all time? What does Arcade 1-Up do for an encore? And why does the world of Gundam still have so much charm with its followers? All this and more as we go retro! As we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He's the old school gamer of Humanica Media. You gotta check out what's going on today at HumanicaMedia.com, Humanica Media on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and so much more. It is my good friend, ready to play some Galaga like me, it is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? You know, it's funny that you talk about Galaga because I did just play that in the At Games pack, and it's fun, man. It's one of those games you can sit there and play it mindlessly, and I enjoy those types of games every now and then, but I digress. I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good, too. I'm I'm really just psyched coming back from an awesome CES If you want to hear my thoughts on CES 2019, that is on the PCC Multiverse, which debuted on Friday on our podcast networks. I give you explicit detail about everything that went on on the show and my thoughts on exactly what was trending and what was going in the right direction at CES. But we've got a great show for everyone here today. We talked to Arcade 1UP and also My Arcade on today's show from CES in our, I guess, our tribute to old school gaming and and retro gaming and how big it was at CES. Plus also as well, Josh is coming on later in the episode with a review of... At Games Bandai Namco Blast Pack. Nice little blast from the past. Absolutely it is. And he's going to give you a rundown of what's going on with the At Games Bandai Namco Blast coming up later in the program. Plus, we're going to also end the show on the back end with some talk about Gundam and why it's holding its charm with its followers. But first, my friend, I want to talk about movies, movies, movies up front in 2019. I'm going to be honest with you, my friend. There's a packed house coming this year to audiences as far as the big screen and all that. We're going to start off with some good stuff going on earlier in the year. There's some good stuff coming out in January, February, and March. Your thoughts on those movies coming out in the first quarter 
January is always a weird month for movies, right? Like, what do what do we we talked about this last year? How it was um, Resident Evil and Underworld all came out in in January, and they were you know they're subpar, I guess. But you know, I'm not really looking forward to Glass that much. Like, I do want to see it, but it's not something I'm super excited about. You know, it feels like it's going to be just one of those movies that I go and see, and I'm like, all right, you know, just to be part of the conversation. What I'm actually looking forward to in January is the Dragon Ball Super Brawly movie. I, I got to be honest, man. I will go see anything Dragon Ball, and that's just maybe that's my my inner you know nerd talking. But it, it just it'll always have a special place in my heart. But I do want to ask you this: the kid who would be king. How do you feel about that movie? I'm not impressed by them personally. I just think it's going to be something that I think in its area, I don't think it's going to survive very long or very well with the Lego movie right behind it and glass right in front of it. It's getting sandwiched in between. It might actually have one good weekend at, at best, but I don't foresee a long-term thing with, with the kid who would be king. I don't see it becoming a franchise or anything of that nature. It just, it just does not look appealing enough on a mass appeal type basis to see any type of success out of the film. I think that kids' movies are kind of made as an afterthought, too. They kind of say, okay, what's all the trends, what hasn't been touched in a while? And me personally, I'm going to wait until the Disney uh, real life remake of Sword in the Stone. February. Lego Movie 2. What do you think of Lego Movie 2? Just real quick yeah. thoughts on that. Because I'm looking at all the things that are coming out in February, and I, I honestly like. That's coming out at a perfect time because there's not really a lot before it and after it, with the exception of How to Train Your Dragon and arguably Alita Battle Angel, which I'm stoked to see because I love the graphic novel, but I don't think that it's going to be something that really sees huge uh, return in the box office. So really all it has to contend with is How to Train Your Dragon, which I love those movies, man. I, I have such a soft spot in my heart for those because they are, of all the animated films out there, I think that they are top notch. but. Yeah, no, I, I think Lego Movie 2 will do fine. They're doing a good job of marketing. I'm seeing billboards. I'm seeing trailers. It, it's it's really just all over the place. So it's got enough saturation to keep people interested, and it's got an entire month to kind of do its thing. How are you feeling about it, though? To me, it looks like a lot of rehashing from the first film is from what I've seen in the trailers. I love the first film. I thought it was really funny. To me, it may be like watching Deadpool 2, where it's going to be, ha, 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 on the first film. And on the second film, so I'm not sure I'm going to get much out of it. If you see it, I bet you will enjoy it a lot more than I have because it will. the jokes itself will seem much fresher to you than what they will to me. How to Train Your Dragon, I can't sit through them. I've tried. I just can't sit through them. I, I just never – they never clicked with me. Just like the Ice Age movies, it just never clicked with me. But I will, I will agree with you on Alita Battle Angel. It's something I'm looking forward to as well, even though I know it will probably tank at the box office. Okay, I want to go back to the part where you said that How to Train Your Dragon is not something you're able to watch. It's just I can't get through it. I just, uh, just Jay Barrel Shell, he just doesn't what, do it for what me, is, man. What is going on here? That is All right, man. This doesn't do it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to Captain uh, Marvel, my friend. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Well, you know what? I might actually give it a watch just for you, my friend. I might actually give it a watch just for you. How about that? But then in March, we've got Captain Marvel. We're going to go heavy into detail in Captain Marvel over the next couple of months. The most recent trailer that came out identified the scrolls a little bit more and what they're up against as far as the Kree is concerned, the Kree and the scrolls and, and the battle and the war going on there and how it's going to affect Earth and what form and what fashion. 
Then for the rest of March, we've talked about Captive State a little bit. That could be a movie that could connect with audiences. That could be something that's really good or be something that just people just want to vacate very quickly. But Dumbo comes at the end of March, and I think that's something that Disney has planned out very well where they've got – they're just like bookending it with a hit movie in early March and at the end of March with Dumbo, something that they're looking forward to, I'm sure, getting some strong returns. Not quite as much as The Lion wait, King. Wait, 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 wait. Would you say that when it comes to Dumbo, people really have their ears to the ground? Oh, my goodness. You did go there. Yes, you did go there. Coming up in April, my friend, I want to ask you real quick. You've got Pet Cemetery and Shazam coming out on the same weekend. What are your thoughts on those two coming out on the same weekend as we go into April, just before a movie I know you're excited for in Hellboy? Okay, so Pet Cemetery. This one's actually kind of interesting because I do remember watching the old one when I was a kid and it scared the crap out of me. But with something like Pet Cemetery, it's such an awkward property that doesn't really get the attention that it it did once, you know, when the book came out. I, I feel like they're they're kind of hoping that it's gonna ride the success of it a little bit. And again, you know, I haven't seen a lot of marketing for it. I, I don't like I know the story, you know the story, but is it going to appeal to a newer generation of people? It's a movie that, no, it's not going to go over that well with critics, but I think it will just entertain enough audiences to make a nice little tidy profit for the film studio. Coming out opposite Shazam, man, Shazam is going to be a tough test for the DC Universe because Aquaman has hit a billion dollars on the big screen worldwide. What are your thoughts on Shazam real quick, making it to be a successful movie in its own right? I think it's got all the the things it needs to be successful in the box office. It's got that light tone. The the trailer looks funny. I mean, it looks like it's got I don't know what you know that that feel that you got when you went to go see Green Lantern. Like there's you're, there's comedy in it, but there's also like maybe a, a very short fight scene. That's what I'm kind of expecting from Shazam because I think a lot of it's going to be him kind of figuring out what his powers are, figuring out you know what his responsibilities are, what he needs to do with these powers. Do you think it'll actually hold off? the first weekend of Hellboy because that comes right after both Pet Cemetery and Shazam. Well, you know, you're asking the wrong person because I am completely biased about Hellboy. That's my favorite comic book of all time. Love the Guillermo del Toro movies. I've read every Hellboy story arc there is. I see that's a good question because Shazam is more well known, right? Or at least right now, because part of the DC unit. right now, there, there's better advertising and promotion on Shazam right now than Hellboy. We've only seen one trailer for Hellboy so far, and I'm not sure there's enough hype for it to be that successful at this point in time. They're they're gonna have to do a major push around February or March to get this thing underway. Right, but Hellboy also has a very I don't want to say niche followers, but it has comic book fans know Hellboy. I think that that's going to to make it some money. It's I think it's going to be successful, maybe not as successful as Shazam. Or, you know, it's not going to skyrocket into the billions like Aquaman has, but it's going to it's going to do okay. Well, both of them have to make their money quickly because at the end of the month is Avengers Endgame, which got pushed up again from its early May start, just like it did last year. I guess to do a simultaneous worldwide release. We're going to go into great detail over the next few months on Avengers Endgame and all the scenarios and all the what-ifs, especially coming out of Captain Marvel. But, you know, we said it already. We both think 
in our prediction show that we had earlier this month that Avengers Endgame will be the number one movie of the year in 2019. Has anything you've seen so far changed your mind on that? No, no, because Endgame is going to be huge. Like this is a movie. This isn't just a movie. This is an event. You know, this is everything Marvel's been working towards for the past, what, 10 years. And this is a culmination of everything they've been doing in all that time. And it, I guess in the same way that Black Panther did, it kind of touched a lot of people that hadn't been fans of the franchise up until that point. You know, like I've talked to people who are like, yeah, I don't I didn't watch, you know, all 20 movies. I didn't watch the, you know, some of the original Iron Man or, or Thor movies. But, you know, I went to go see that and it like I genuinely cried during it. I was like, that is awesome. So I think that, you know, when it comes to Avengers, there's a big market for it. And they did a good job of hooking you in. And they it's like it ended like Empire Strikes Back. You know, now everyone wanted then everyone wanted to see Return of the Jedi. So Avengers Endgame is going to be huge. I think it's going to be the biggest movie of the year. You know, that leads us into May. And it's going to be hot and heavy because you've got movies that are under the radar, like Detective Pikachu, John Wick, Chapter 3. You've got Aladdin coming up closer to the Memorial Day weekend and Godzilla King of the Monsters coming on the back end. There's very interesting movies come out. And even Minecraft and Brightburn, something we talked about before with Brightburn, the horror movie, and the Minecraft movie coming out in May. Your thoughts on the movies in May? I think that at least three of them are going to be pushed forward or back. I was just laughing because I saw Minecraft and Warner Brothers be like, I'm going to put this out at the same time as Aladdin. That's a great idea. No, they should not do that. Detective Pikachu is in a good place because it's kind of after everyone's seen Avengers. And it's like one of the first big movies of, of May. John Wick Chapter 3, that's one of those movies I think a lot of people, I don't know how well its returns are in theaters, but I know a lot of people watch it religiously when it hits Redbox and digital. Right now, the, I think May looks okay, but they're not heavy hitters to the point where you got really, really big box office returns coming up in May. I think Aladdin's going to do pretty well. You know what? That's the thing, though. We've got Dumbo coming out. You've got Lion King coming up on the back end. Aladdin may be that in that slot. And you've seen movies already during the Memorial Day weekend for Disney two years in a row with the Pirates of the Caribbean movie and then Solo both underwhelming and both not meeting expectations. And they both were Memorial Day weekend releases. So keep that in mind, my friend, as we head to June. Because June, you've got movies like Child's Play, Toy Story 4, Men in Black International, the remake of Shaft, Grudge. A lot of mixed stuff there that could be hit or miss. But one of the things I want to ask you is Dark Phoenix is coming out on the 7th of June. Your thoughts on whether or not the X-Men series needs a reboot at this point in time, or does it have still enough left in the fire, pun intended, when it comes to Dark Phoenix, to see that it actually can make and generate some kind of enthusiasm within the X-Men universe? That was a very dark pun, Gerald. Oh! Um, <laughs> okay, so at, at this point, from what I understand, Bob Iger said that there's no plans to, or he's hinting at the fact that there's no plans to incorporate these characters into the universe. I just, I don't see them keeping these characters. I mean, maybe because there's like three different timelines open, maybe they, they'll find a way to do it. Maybe foolish not to keep Deadpool at least, but Dark Phoenix, I, I'm not excited about it, man. I just, I don't really care about that franchise anymore. It's been beaten to death so many times. Logan was a, a beautiful movie. 
But this timeline, I don't really care that much because they've kind of taken the characters in sort of ridiculous circles over and over again. So I, I'm just not looking forward to it. I'll probably go see it, but I'm just it's not something I'm, I'm dying to watch. Men in Black International, on the other hand, I am kind of excited about that because Men in Black, it's funny. It's entertaining. It's They're not good movies, but they're entertaining and they're fun to watch. I don't agree with you on Men in Black International. It really hasn't done anything to wow me, but that doesn't mean it won't, or that doesn't mean it can't, because it can sway me around with some better trailers coming out in the future. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Looking for an edge? The next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun, or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com that's MiracleFruitOil.com. Fight a brace. Win with it. July looks like it's a much better month for moviegoers because you've got Spider-Man Far From Home, another Conjuring movie coming up, and then you've also got The Lion King coming up near the back end on the 19th of July, and then a movie that I'm looking forward to from Quentin Tarantino back on the big screen again with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Your thoughts on the movie in July, my friend. Okay, so I, I look at July and I see an opportunity for me to actually watch every movie that comes out in July because, I mean, I'm not going to watch all of them, but, you know, the ones I do want to see, I'm going to have time to go see without feeling, you know, overwhelmed by it all. The Conjuring Universe, from what I understand, that's the, the next Annabelle film, if I was reading the article correctly. Spider-Man Far From Home, this is something to be excited about because this is the first post-Endgame film. So I'm I'm pretty excited to see, you know, in what, state the world is in that the marvel cinematic universe is in after all that stuff goes down you know the lion king yeah i'm excited about it i i want to see more trailers though you know because they showed us that little that little snippet and they showed us who's playing who i'm expecting the same kind of treatment for this movie that the jungle book got you know most of all i'm looking forward to spider-man far from home but what are your thoughts on the month of july well i'm going to tell you the lion king is my favorite to go ahead and hit a billion dollars in that month. The reason why I say that is because the anticipation, that little snippet that you saw that you and I didn't see much of as far as the trailer is concerned, you know, the trailer came out, it didn't show much, and it didn't need to show much because it was one of the most popular trailers within the first 24 to 48 hours of all time. So to me, that shows there's a great excitement for The Lion King. And I think that even if it's an okay movie at best, it's still gonna do gangbusters at the box office. Spider-Man Far From Home, it's great that it's coming out. Obviously, it extends the Spider-Man universe even more and the relationship a little bit more of the Spider-Man universe that's there for Sony and maybe a little bit sprinkled in with the Marvel universe as well. Although Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is the actual best Spider-Man movie I've seen. Spider-Man Homecoming was really, really good, and I expect nothing less from Spider-Man Far From Home now that they've got a nice little formula to rely on. But I think The Lion King overall will probably be the biggest movie of the month in the month of July. August to me seems like the month where there's not as much care and not as much interest. I think it's just because of business-wise. 
you've got Angry Birds Movie 2, you've got Artemis Fowl, which has gotten a lot of interest online, and, and you've also got the Fast and Furious spinoff with Jason Statham and The Rock. That movie is coming out in early August, but between you and me, Josh, you and I both know that the movie we want to go see most is also playing on August the 2nd, The Door, The Explorer movie. Can I just say that I really like the idea of what the Adi Shanker Dora the Explorer movie. Remember that? It was hyper-violent, Dora had guns and stuff. Oh, that would have been so cool. A yeah. new version of Tomb Raider. <laughs> yes. I don't know. Dora the Explorer, I, I'm probably not going to watch. New Mutants looks cool. I like the idea of a uh, you know the, the horror aspect of it. It'll probably go on to be the last X-Men movie, I want to say, within the Fox realm. This is a busy month, okay? So Untitled Fast and the Furious spinoff. We've only seen like three set photos of that, so we don't know if that's happening. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Is that the one that Guillermo del Toro is doing? Okay, yeah, I saw something about that. It look, looks good. Angel Has Fallen is the, the last one I'm looking forward to in August. That franchise is not good, but it's entertaining, you know? It's like watching Die Hard. No one said that Die Hard is like an emotional movie. It's just fun to watch. And I kind of look at, you know, the Fallen series in the same vein I look at Die Hard. They're just fun movies to watch. Lots of explosions. Lots of people getting beat up and stuff. It's, 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 a, it's a fun flick to watch. And Gerard Butler, it's, it's re- literally the perfect part for him. He's running out of parts, my friend, because he's running out of chances to become a hit maker once again in Hollywood. So hopefully this will work out for him. I'm seeing the slate that's on for September, and there's really only one movie. It Chapter 2 comes out in early September, and that is going to dominate the entire month of September. Yeah, I'm actually I'm pretty excited about that one. I don't know how you feel about horror movies, but it's not really a horror movie, so it's an interesting hybrid, but it's also like the cinematography is done so well. The acting is, is good. Like, I've never seen child actors perform that well in a movie ever, so I do want to have a chat about that, but I do see... It Chapter 2 having the same cult influence that the first one did. And I think that it's going to do better than Downtown Abbey, better than Spies in Disguise. It's going to be the movie of September. What comes up in October is a little bit of a mixed plate as well. You've got Gemini Man, Joker prequel. I don't know when it comes to a Joker prequel. I know how you feel about that. Zombieland 2 is coming out in the middle of October as well. And I don't know, man. Just it seems like when it gets to right now, it's going to be almost kind of like a a hit or miss point and and maybe just a lot of dead space when it comes to a lot of underperformers at the box office in September and October. You have an Adams Family animation movie. I mean, just just a lot of reaching right now. But I think if possible, and Joaquin Phoenix's performance is good enough, the Joker prequel could actually be something that could take the entire month of October. Okay, so Joker, I see it being an artsy flick. What 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 kind of tone do you think that movie's going to take? Because I don't, I'm seeing it as more of something that could possibly, if done correctly, be nominated for something. It's funny, and if Joaquin Phoenix gets nominated for this role as the Joker, it'll be the second time that somebody playing the character of the Joker has been nominated. I don't think it will go that far. I think people will be a little bit apprehensive to do so because we, obviously what happened with Heath Ledger and him getting nominated posthumously and and obviously his great performance I think that is going to be the barometer him and Jack Nicholson playing both that role in different directions but both playing it very well I think it's gonna be tough for Joaquin Phoenix but he is one of the best actors on the planet so if anybody can try and make something of that role in a different angle it can definitely be him 
I think the movie, if it's good, it can actually get a push to do really well at the box office, but I just don't see it generating enough to get any type of critical awards at the end of the year. But I also think that, that people will stray away from it because they'll also see it as a superhero movie as well, even if there's no superheroes involved. A comic book movie, per se. How about that? Real quick, though, um, do you think that it's too late? Zombieland kind of wore out its welcome and it's too late for a sequel? Because that was, what, se- seven years ago, I want to say? I think they missed the boat on that one. Had it come out two or three years later, I think they would have had themselves a nice way to go ahead and wrap around a trilogy. I think it's just going to be a missed opportunity, and I don't know why they're sticking Zombieland 2 out there. Even if it's good, it doesn't matter. It probably won't do very well, and that's a shame because Zombieland 2, I think, deserves better because the first one was pretty darn good, in my estimation. Coming up in November, we've got a lot of good things coming up there as far as the Terminator movie that James Cameron has his fingerprints all over. He's not directing it per se, but he's involved in it. Linda Hamilton's back in it, and it looks like it's going to be, well, they're trying to say it's putting back the Terminator in a right direction as opposed to what's happened the numerous times before when Terminator was just pretty much just thrown out to the garbage on so many different bad movies. But you have a lot of other good things going on with Sonic the Hedgehog movie that we that people made fun of and people kind of like weirded out by. But you also have stuff like Frozen 2, which is going to dominate the back end of the box office in November untitled kingsman movie i don't know if the kingsman movie will be coming up then but if it does and it sticks to that date in the middle of november your thoughts on what a kingsman movie can do as far as you know just generating any type of enthusiasm the third time around okay so the only way i think that it could be critically acclaimed because you know it doesn't have eggsy in it it either needs to focus on the uh what was the the American version of them, the the Statesman, the Statesman. which I want, I liked the idea of Statesman in its own movies. It needs to be about the Statesman, or it needs to tell a story of an underdog, and kind of capture the you know the magic that the first one had. Because like Exy is the perfect protagonist because he's tragic and you feel for him. Whether I mean even in the second one, which was not as good as the first one, it's still was good because you have that history with Eggsy. So if they can create another character like that, kind of steals your heart a little bit, like that would make a good Kingsman movie. But, you know, I don't know what their plans are. They haven't said anything about the story. We don't really know anything about it, or even if that's when this movie's going to come out. So uh, there's a lot of iffy factors there. And, you know, coming out a week before Frozen, I I don't think is, is a great idea either. And last but not least, we hit December, and all apologies to our good friend Rob McCallum of Rob McCallum Films, who is a huge He-Man supporter and obviously one of the directors of the movie that you can see now on Netflix, the documentary, The Power of Grayskull, He-Man, and the Masters of the Universe, definitive history of it. Masters of the Universe comes out two days before Star Wars Episode Nine. I know a lot of people will pick on cats for, for coming out on the same day as Star Wars Episode Nine, but man, that might actually do some money alongside Episode Nine. but Masters of the Universe, I think, has no chance at all. It really is just not a movie that belongs in that spot. You know, it's not something that, because it's, it's an old franchise too, like this is what we were talking about before, Do with Pet Cemetery, are these old properties, are they going to do well with modern audiences? Speaking of Sony, they've got another movie coming out in December, and that's going to be Jumanji. Your thoughts on Jumanji the second time around. Is it going to be as big of a hit as it was before? 
because you got to remember it came out at the, around the same time as another Star Wars movie, The Last Jedi, as well. I want them to bring the board game back. The video game thing, it was fun, it was funny, but there's something about the board game, you know, and the, like it, it just it felt darker and it felt more serious, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. So I'd love to see them bring the board game back. But where do you stand on that? Well, when it comes to Jumanji's sequel, it's just going to be more of the same going back into that type of universe with all the same fun-loving characters. I don't think you're going to get anything original out of it, but I think it's going to entertain audiences. And you know what? It blew away our expectations the first time around. So I'm not going to bet against it, especially the fact that the first one did so well going up against another Star Wars in The Last Jedi. So they're probably one of the few movies that's not afraid of going up against a Star Wars Episode Nine. And speaking of Star Wars Episode Nine, we will end our 2019 movie preview with this. Your thoughts on Star Wars Episode Nine? I know you're, you've, you've been kind of jaded on it in recent past, but do you think you can actually get kind of amped up for it knowing that it's the final ending for all these movies we've seen in the past. Okay. Well, I was talking to big dog about this earlier with star Wars episode nine. It's like when you get to the last chapter of to kill a mockingbird and you're like, well, I've endured it this far. So why not? Right. That's how I feel about star Wars episode nine right now. That leads me into my last question. My friend, do you think 2019 is going to be the biggest year ever for cinema? Well, I'm looking at this and I'm, you know, th there's not a lot of original IPs, but, you know, there's just so much to watch. So I just, I don't see myself making it to all of the ones that I would probably enjoy. To me, this is going to be the biggest year ever for movies. I think it's going to earn more dollars at the box office than any other. The reason why is just exactly what you said. A lot of proven commodities coming to the box office this year got so many good things that are going to generate a lot of interest a lot of buzz and a lot of dollars at the box office yeah you're right there's not a whole lot originally going on that as of yet we can see but you know what it just is going to be a big big year overall in 2019 i think it will be the biggest ever on record what are your thoughts out there on the movies of 2019 are there ones that you specifically want to go ahead and see or do you think that 2019 will be or won't be the biggest year on record ever for the movie industry? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanica media, and game source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, coming up next, we've got a back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back of old-school retro as we've got interviews from CES with Arcade 1UP and also the folks at My Arcade. Sandwiched in between is Josh's thoughts on the At Games Bandai Namco Blast. Get set for a flashback to some great retro gaming talk coming up for the next few minutes. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. All right, we are back with the show, and it's Gerald once again with Pop Culture Cosmos here at CES 2019. And you know what? I couldn't stop by CES 2019 without stopping by one of the best places for me, anyways, and that is the folks at Arcade One Up. I'm here with Cassandra O'Brien, 
She has uh, just been so gracious and actually showing me around the, the actual booth here at CES 2019. You had great success in 2018. You were a major part of the advertising for Walmart, their Black Friday ads. It was right there plastered on the front page. I believe the right-hand corner, if I remember correct on that, too. But I know a lot of units went out for you because I saw a lot of people happy and, and talking about it on social media and whatnot. Your thoughts on your 2018, and what are you looking forward to here with all the great announcements you have for 2019? Yeah, well first, thank you so much for stopping by and joining us today. I mean, we just launched in Q4 of 2018. We had six titles. It was a phenomenal launch. The support we've had from the community, the success at retail, both in-store and online, we've truly tapped into such a nostalgic and unique market. We've really successfully been able to take that classic retro arcade experience that you're used to playing back in the day, but making it one, sizable, and two, affordable that consumers can bring it into their home and experience that with their family and their friends. We're up to 11 titles now, five new ones for 2019, which are Final Fight, Space Invaders, Golden Tee, Mortal Kombat, and Karate Champ. So we're looking forward to an amazing 2019. We're also going to be launching in 2019 our Wallcades and our Countercades. So you can collect your favorites and your classics, and if you need a smaller space, like a dorm room, an office, a condo, uh, it's a perfect spot to put those in. I was looking at them right here in the booth, and I'll tell you what, especially the wall case, like you said, because they're such great space savers. Yeah. But they also expound on the fact that you've done so many great things. And i got to ask you one more time. I know I asked you this off the air, but tell me what a feeling was like at Arcade 1UP when Walmart said, yeah, we're going to go ahead and just run you right there. It's one of the, the most prominent items out there as far as one of the biggest retailers out there. In fact, the biggest brick-and-mortar retailer just having you right there on the front page. Yeah, we've had such strong support from all of our retailers, and I think this is a product that when you look at it, it just evokes that nostalgic feeling. And I mean, when we got that placement, I mean, our fans went crazy for it. Our social media blew up of people seeing it and taking photos of it and sending it to us. And I mean, it, we were so honored and thrilled. It has just been a whirlwind the past few months, and uh, we're only looking forward to continuing the success for 2019. And it's funny because I actually went to a few retail stores in New Mexico recently, in fact, last week at the beginning of the year, and I noticed when I was there at a couple of places where they had displays up, and you know what? People just cannot just walk by them. They just have to go, they just hone right in on, hey, look, arcade, arcade, arcade. You know what? When people think toys, they often refer to what we call the fiddle factor. I think when you walk by a cabinet like this, it's got that same draw to pull you in. You can't help but smile, and everyone has a story of playing games back in the day, and you can't help but want to go over, and it, it brings you right back to kind of that simpler time. No quarters necessary for these ones, though. That was just good. It was just good because I, back in the day, I did spend a lot of quarters. <laughs> yeah. I had the full line on the arcade machines, and I tell you what, it's much better now, especially because, and there's 17, on the actual full tall units, there's 17-inch screens, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Yeah, so there are three-quarter scales of the model, and then if you do use the riser, it adds an extra 12 inches. People like to use it either way. I mean, it's great without the riser if you're sitting on a stool or if you have younger kids that are standing and playing. But if you want that added height so you can stand in game, the riser is a perfect addition to it. And then the wall mounts. We've looked in that range about 15 to 17 inches as far as the monitor is concerned. So it's very easy to see. Yeah. Just a very great, pictures, very great display. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, pictures crystal clear. Uh, we still kept all the authentic artwork and the authentic kind of joysticks, buttons. So even though it's a smaller version, you're still getting that authentic gameplay. 
Now, I'm going to get to you with the games here right now because you had a tremendous list so far last year. Yeah. You had titles such as Pac-Man, Asteroids, Galaxian, Galaga. You had Rampage. You had Defender, Joust. You had Street so many Fighter, great Street yeah. Fighter. You had Championship Series, yeah. a Street Fighter number two. But you got a lot more on, on tap, including a new licensing with Taito, and then also somewhat, you know, a, a new license with a with a game that I just saw on the other side that a lot of people I know will talk about. I know what you're going to say. Are you going to say Mortal Kombat? Mortal, Mortal Kombat! Kombat! <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we're really excited for this title this year. I mean, fans have been going crazy for it. They've been asking for it for a while, and we're so thrilled that we can finally officially announce it. With the five new titles that we have out for 2019, it's going to be a fantastic year. And that's MK2. Just want to let everybody know, it's Mortal Kombat 2, which many consider to be one of the best, if not the best versions of Mortal Kombat ever made. You also, from what I'm seeing as well, Caveman Ninja, Burger Time, Bad Dudes, Karate Champ, a lot of great titles on the way. The ones for 2019, when are they going to become available? You said in 2019, but I'm sure yeah. there's a certain time frame that you have in mind. Yeah, so some of them, like Final Fight in Space Invaders, we're aiming for February at retail, and the rest will roll out throughout the rest of 2019. And then lastly, I'm sitting here next to one of the things that I actually also experienced as well during my arcade days, because I'm an old guy now. But one of the things I always enjoyed was the tabletop aspect. They weren't as prevalent, they weren't as readily available, but they were out there. Tell me a little bit more about the tabletop versions that you have. In fact, the one I'm looking at now was Street Fighter II Championship Edition. Yeah, so we're actually sitting at one right now. And I mean, we just wanted to continue that authentic gameplay, but give people more of a variety of ways they can play. And having it like this with the split screen, people can sit on either side and game together. So just continuing to innovate and bring that tech and that authentic play for more of our products. Everything I'm seeing here sounds great and looks great for everything that your company is doing. As far as for the productivity for anyone out there that's buying it, uh, I'm sorry that that's probably going to be a problem for them because they're going to spend a lot of time here playing <laughs> with their arcade one-up machines, whether it's the wall base, whether it's the actual three-quarter and stand-up versions, or whether it's the tabletop. There's a lot of great options here at Arcade One-Up. Awesome. Yeah, we've had a fantastic show so far. I mean, it's only day two, but everyone coming in here and gaming with us, hanging out with us, giving us great feedback, getting their commentary, it's been phenomenal, and uh, we're excited for more to come for 2019. Uh, as am I, as am I. Like I was telling her before, I still have my eye on the Rampage unit. That's what I'm actually going to try and see if I can get my hands on at some point down the line. I want to say one last thing. It's just... Just obviously from someone who has a retro background and, and gaming background and the days of your when when I went into those arcades as a kid and whatnot, just how, how great is a feeling is it for, for all these people that come up to you and say, thank you so much for bringing back so much nostalgia and pop culture? It has been absolutely phenomenal. I know the word magical may seem a little corny, but what we're seeing online and in our social community is parents experiencing this with their children and seeing it cross over multiple generations. There's so much out there for kids and tech and gaming nowadays, but taking it kind of back to the basics in a simpler time, we have parents and families emailing us and kind of thanking us for bringing back their childhood, but now they're introducing their children and their family friends to it, and it's just such an emotional and nostalgic feeling that it's been absolutely wonderful to bring this back and be part of that with them. Well, I know I got a rush the first time I walked by in a retailer and saw one of these units up. And I know it's something that has been talked about readily over the past few months. Like I said, something that we focused on when we were doing our Black Friday coverage. But 
One last thing, with all the great units you have out now that's available and all the ones that are upcoming, where can people find out, you know, retailers, not only just Walmart, but other retailers, or any information they need to know more about when it comes to Arcade 1UP machines? Yeah, so if you go to www.arcade1up.com, you can find out everything from our specs, our sizing, where to buy, retailers, and all of our contact information. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome indeed. Uh, prepare to stay there a while because you're going to be looking through everything they've got because it's a, a great list of stuff. And I'll tell you what, this is probably one of the funnest places to be at CES 2019. And Cassandra, I just appreciate so much you taking time to talk to me today. Awesome. Thank you so much for stopping by. All right. Thank you very much for being part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. What's up, everybody? Josh here from the Pop Culture Cosmos show. I am coming at you with not a game review this time, but a review of the At Games Bandai Namco Blast Pack. Uh, if you want to check out our website at www.popculturecosmos.com, you can check out my review titled Bandai Namco Blast At Games Returns to the Past. Okay, before you listen to any more of this, go ahead and pretend that I'm not exactly an expert on old arcade games, because I'm not. All I really know about them is what I've seen on documentaries and have played ported to one console or another. Unfortunately, I missed out on that era of gaming. As for Bandai Namco, anything they made after the 80s I probably played in one form or another. With the exception of Pac-Man, my experience with any of these games offered in the Bandai Namco Blast is very limited. What I do know about them is that they're considered the upper echelon of arcade games. So what happens when At Games, a company known for their retro gaming system, takes a swing at packaging eight arcade classics into one pack and sells it for less than $30? Well, you get a lot of mixed reviews. For those of you who don't know anything about At Games or the blast packs they've been releasing, let me fill you in on what you may or may not be missing out on. The Blast is At Games' latest attempt at repackaging old classics into a more accessible form for both nostalgia and modern gamers. Bandai Namco, Atari, and Activision each have their own Blast out containing different games from the 80s. This time around, instead of an actual console, At Games has packaged these classics into a wireless HDMI dongle that you connect into any HDMI port on your television. Once the controller is synced up, you can dive into the past whenever you want and play for as long as you want without costing you whatever quarters you might have saved up for the occasion. Uh, back to At Games for a minute. It's no secret now that the people aren't exactly huge fans of their work. Over the years, they've tried finding an audience with their reproduction Atari and Sega consoles. They even got into the handheld market with their portable game players. While they all work to some extent, they have quite a few flaws. For example, controller syncing is definitely an issue. With the Sega Genesis Classic Game Console, you had to literally be right in front of the console to get a signal from the controller. Then there was last year's Sega Genesis Flashback Console HD, which allows you to play all of your favorite Sega Genesis games using an HDMI output. While it was definitely a huge step up from the last attempt at a Sega recreation, it had its flaws. For example, it had a cartridge slot, but the games that you could play with it were very limited. Also, last year, Sega announced they'd be putting out a Sega Genesis Mini. When the fans heard this, they were pretty excited. When they announced that they'd be teaming up with At Games to bring this Sega Genesis Mini to life, the enthusiasm died pretty quickly, and the internet had a field day. Now, it would seem Sega has gone back to the drawing board to figure out how they can make a mini console that rivals the Nintendo classics. Now, let's talk about the Bandai Namco Blast. I've been reading some rumors on the internet that the review units all contain ports of the original arcade games, while the ones sent out to stores all had NES ports. 
I can't confirm or deny these rumors, but let's pretend they're rumors until you discover otherwise. The Bandai Namco Blast contains eight classic arcade games, including Dig Dug, Galaga, Gal... Galaxian, Mappy, Pac-Man, Sky Kid, The Tower of Juraga, and Xevious. The games themselves, at least for me, were incredibly difficult, and I'm completely okay with that, because they came from an era of gaming when you actually had to be good at video games to play them. I talked about this in my Battle Princess Madeline review, a game that was attempting to recapture the challenge that games had when they were in arcades, and I loved it. The games in this unit all felt great to play. There weren't any controller syncing issues, nothing ever froze, there were no glitches that I noticed, while I'll admit to not being good at these games, I played them all until I was able to at least beat the high score that was programmed into them. During that game, I didn't notice any difference between the arcade versions I've seen and the various ports. If you take into account that the Blast controllers are shaped like Sega controllers, the games felt even better during the time I spent with them. Now, let's talk about the actual unit itself. I'll be completely open when I say that my experiences with At Games products have been frustrating to say the least. They've always had issues with their wireless controller system, and even when things were in sync, everything felt so unresponsive. Then the whole cartridge tray not actually playing the games I kept from my childhood was sort of irritating. That being said, when I first tried to sync the wireless controller to the Blast dongle, the struggle was enough to make me want to give up on the endeavor altogether. Turns out, after finding a YouTube tutorial on how to do it, I had just misread the instructions. Once I got it all synced up, it completely surpassed my expectations in terms of functionality. I could sit anywhere in my office and the controller would work just fine. So I applaud At Games for fixing something that's been a pain with their products for as long as I can remember. While At Games doesn't have a great reputation at the moment in the world of retro gaming, this product is a giant leap above everything else they've done. I know other reviewers have been bashing it, but I actually enjoyed my time with it. My only complaint is that they need to include a longer micro USB cable and an AC adapter in the box. Otherwise, this is actually a pretty solid effort on their part. Let's hope this is a sign of more good things to come from them. I score the Bandai Namco Blast Pack at an 8 out of 10. Thanks for tuning in, guys. If you want to find more reviews and great episodes of our podcast, the Pop Culture Cosmos Show and the PCC Multiverse, you can find them on Apple Podcasts, podcast.com, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and other great podcasting outlets around the globe. Also, we would love if you could follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and even click the all subscribe button on YouTube. All right, cool, guys. Until next time, it's been a pleasure. We are back once again at CS 2019. This has been one of the busiest places to go, and that's the My Arcade booth here at CS 2019. Retro is in at CES 2019, and my arcade is definitely part of it. I'm here with Crystal Dugan, and I'll tell you what, Crystal, such a pleasure to have you on recording right here, right now. What is my arcade doing to make 2019 even more special than it was before? Oh, we've got some really great retro things to kind of introduce uh, in the gaming you know, arena. So we have continued our line of the portable uh, micro players. They each have one title on them, and they look like a little miniature version of their big arcade. So this year we introduced Miss Pac-Man, which is of course one of the ones we've been asked about for the past year. Are you going to have it? Are you going to have it? And yes, we can finally say yes, we have it. And it'll actually be available in April of this year. So we also expanded our line of um, Pocket Players, which is another portable um, type of player, and it has three classic titles. So Miss Pac-Man will also be getting her own portable player. So for instance, it's Miss Pac-Man, 
Mappy and Sky Kid, which is a hard to find kind of game that comes on that portable player. Now, the most exciting thing that we announced at the CES is our Retro Champ. It's our first console. And we were actually just got an award from PC Mag for best of show in gaming for it. Congratulations. Thank you. So what this does is it plays NES cartridges, old school NES cartridges. Everybody's got them somewhere, you know, in their garage or what have you. And it plays them in a portable form factor. So it's really cool. It has a seven inch screen. You can even play Famicom cartridges, which is the Japanese version of the cartridges, which people have kind of taken to uh, collecting and things. So it's, it's really neat. I love it to death. I can't wait for it to come out. It has a built-in cleaning kit because, you know, those cartridges can get real built up. Yeah, so that's, that's the gist of that player. It's going to be awesomely amazing, and it's uh, slated to come out in June. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I also okay. wanted to ask a little bit more about some of the licenses that you got because some of the press releases that I got in, were about a new line of titles from a very well-known company called Taito. Oh yes, Taito. How could I forget? Taito's amazing. The first couple titles that we're releasing are Bubble Bobble, which is a big, huge fan favorite, and Elevator Action, which will actually be a limited edition release. It's a really cool game if you've never heard of it, but um, it's it's got pretty pretty good fan following. I will just say this because I am dating myself and I have done so on my show many times <laughs> is that I do remember quite a bit of these games and Elevator Action I played on more than one occasion. It's a really cool one and another one we're actually introducing is a pocket player. Now this one is not well known uh, you know in the states but um, it was originally released in Japan and it's called Don Doku Don. and it's actually a really cool and fun little uh, puzzle or it's a it's a Stage for stage game, so it gets you know harder as you go on, and then Don Duckadon 2 is also on there, and that one's really neat. That's a side-scrolling adventure game, very very cool. I see the lineup that you have already of personal arcade machines that you have. Just just the detail is extraordinary. Obviously, when you go ahead and I see people playing them all over the floor right here, they're, just, they're eye catching. Just so many different titles that are out there from Galaga, Bad Dudes, and you know just the list goes on and on. I just it's so fun to see everybody getting into it and reliving that retro feel. Yeah, and you know, we work really closely with our licensing partners to make sure that all the details on those arcade cabinets are as close to the original as we can get. So they approve everything. You know, we are very, very on it with um, trying to get this as close to get that nostalgia, just like you remember it in the arcade. Well, if, as long as you don't have those scratches on the side as it began to wear down when, because, you know, arcades used to shove them against each other and they used to just like uh, to scratch off of each other. I remember that. So by the time, you know, you would finally get to play Galaga, <laughs> yeah. you would only see like a, a GA because the rest would be worn off or, or anything like that. But yes, it's definitely great to see. The detail is tremendous. I want to compliment your company on providing retro gamers with something that not only just brings nostalgia, but a lot of fun as well. Yeah, thank you. Um, we're all, you know, very nerdy gamers at the company, so we all treat this kind of like a baby because we, we love it and, you know, we want people to equally as love it and share our passion for this retro gaming. Oh, that's awesome. And one last question I want to ask you, if anybody wants to find out any more information about where these products are sold at, because if they haven't cut it out their local retail already, I don't know what they're missing, but 
if they want to find out exactly more about the games, what games are listed, what's on the way, and then also about where they can buy all these awesome games, where do they need to go? MyArcadeGaming.com. Okay, that's MyArcadeGaming.com. My Arcade, based out of a place that I'm familiar with, that I spent my younger years playing in the arcades at in Torrance, California. I remember that so well, playing at the Delamo Mall. So, to me, it brings back a lot of nostalgia that you're there in Torrance, that you're there right near the Delamo Mall, and just so, just so great to have you just back into it, just getting all these great retro games back out into the marketplace. I'm so glad, and we're based, you know, right here in the U.S. and, like you said, Torrance. And so it's a lot of fun. Absolutely, absolutely. Only if I could go back in time. You know, I could just get rid of, go back to my old red hair, and just go back to the arcades <laughs> like I remember so fondly so long ago. Well, Crystal, it's been a great pleasure having you on, talking about all the great things about my arcade, and you're welcome back to talk to us anytime right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Great, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need a listing of where we're at, where we're being played, because we're on internet radio stations and terrestrial radio stations all over the world, seven days a week, check out our listings, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, where you'll also catch many of our podcast options as well. My friend, I know you got a great thing going on with Humanica Media, so share the goods, my friend. What is going on with Humanica Media? Oh, just another episode of Topic Ocalypse dropped yesterday. There'll be another one up on Tuesday, I want to say. I, I, we did a, a big New Year's Eve conversation, so you can check that out. It's it's in three parts. The first part's up now. Second part will be up on Tuesday. Third part, I want to say Thursday. So definitely go and give that a listen as we encroach on 100 episodes and also we have a topic eclipse award show coming at you soon so stay tuned and also if you buy a miracle fruit oils vitabrace high performance gaming wristband and use the code found in our show you'll get a code for a free video game this month we have sonic and next month we might have some other cool games so use the promo code go to their website www.miraclefruitoil.com and uh, use the code at checkout, and then we will send you the game, and you will also get the Vitabrace that you got $10 off on. Now, I'm going to tell you what it is right now. Code 10. Just use that at checkout. Not only will you get money off of an awesome Vitabrace gaming bracelet, but you also get a free game from us at the Pop Culture Cosmos. And just a heads up on the community event board, we've got Mario Party Wars going ahead and doing a tournament for Super Mario Party at the HyperX Esports Arena right there at the Luxor, right on the Strip in beautiful Las Vegas. That's going to be on January 15th at 6 p.m. On January 18th at 5 p.m., Mario Party Wars invades Gameworks. That's going to be at Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard. They're going to go ahead and be part of a Mario Party Wars invasion. Check it out there on January 18th at 5 p.m. And then on the 20th, our good friends at Go Brothers Gaming is going to host with their good friends Mario Party Wars a Retro Games Day on Sunday, January 20th from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. 
at the HyperX Esports Arena at the Luxor in beautiful Las Vegas right there on the Strip. If you want your pop culture community event mentioned on our radio show that reaches a worldwide audience, let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. My friend, before we head on out real quick, it's nice to see that revival of interest in Gundam. Obviously, we saw a little bit of that in Ready Player One near the end. That was a great scene with Gundam there. And you wanted to share your thoughts on Gundam and why it's just connecting with a new audience. In fact, also reaching out to its old audience as well with the episodes that we're seeing on Netflix and so much more. So I, I just I've been kind of going back through these because I, I was a huge fan of Gundam Wing. Like when I was a kid, like always come home from school, turn on Toonami, you know, and Gundam Wing was like one of my favorite things to watch as an adult now. And I'm trying to like for our website, trying to get back into anime a little bit to, to do a little write ups on. It, and I've gone back to watching some of these Gundam series. And yeah, they're not the Gundam Wing of my childhood. Like they are hyper violent, super bloody, but they do explore some deeply philosophical themes, though. Mobile Suit Gundam Unicorn, you can watch it on Netflix right now. And it's broken up into eight hour and 15 minute movies. So it, it there's also, you can watch it in series form if you want to. But on Netflix, it's, it's broken up into eight episodes and they're each like an hour and 10 minutes, I want to say. But it's, it, it, it talks about how like, you know, the, the sins of the parents passed down on the kids, you know, like, and what happens when the future is put in the hands of the young. And it, it's it's such an interesting thing. And it talks about does all life have the same worth and who decides who lives and who dies? It's just it's such an interesting philosophical question because we don't make these decisions, you know, it, it's out of our control. But there's always someone out there who thinks that that decision is theirs to make. And that's one of the things that Gundam Unicorn handles very well. It makes you kind of think about that and what happens like when we're left to clean up the messes left by the generations before us. You know, Mobile Suit Gundam Seed is another one that has talks about, like, young people are more involved in the government than, than older people think. And it, it's at the point now where, like, thanks to social media and the Internet and, you know, different news outlets, whether they're right or wrong, there's more knowledge there than people are aware of. And you can't just take advantage of people like you used to be able to do back in the days of, like, Vietnam and stuff like that. The most recent one I'm getting into is Mobile Suit Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans. So this one's like, I'm really surprised that they're doing some of the things that they're doing in this one. Like they're addressing the issue of child soldiers because, you know, we get a lot of that happening all over the world and arranged marriages and like the age gaps between people. And it's just a lot of like barbarism, like what happens when, you know, the systems that we rely on become dark and misconstrued and what happens to the kids who are left to deal with the consequences of that. So you know, the Gundam series is they're in tune to what's going on in the world. And I think that's why they've been able to stay relevant for all this time. You know, they're asking questions that people don't want to ask, you know, and it, it's it's a cartoon. Yeah, but it's it's something that, you know, as you're sitting there watching it, you know, from one episode to the next, you're starting to really think about what's going on in there. And you're like, where does this sound familiar? And you start comparing it to what's going on in the world today. And I, it's a really intelligent show. And I, I don't say that about many things. It's just awesome to see that interest in Gundam. And the, the mention that it got in Ready Player One obviously has given it even more life. And I think a lot of more people are going to get into Gundam over the course of the next few months. In fact, as it gets closer to live action Gundam, I really expect to see a marketed interest in Gundam going forward. Well, I want to thank, before we head on out, Arcade 1UP and My Arcade for their awesome interviews at CES. Yeah, it's cool. I'm, I'm glad to see the interest rising. And, you know, I'm, I'm working on a project related to retro gaming right now. So good times ahead, man. Good times ahead for retro game mom and pop stores. 
We'll see if that means the same thing for GameStop. There are rumors that there are buyers interested in purchasing the GameStop Corporation. We might see that change as early as in February. And if that's the case, at least the big box retail version of retro gaming may be out of style at some point in time with a lot of store closures. That might mean a marketed interest in retro gaming everywhere else. Any last thoughts on the way out, my friend? Later this week on the next episode, I do want to discuss Activision Bungie because there's some stuff going on there. And also Randy Pitchford's little incident at Medieval Times. So that's stuff that might be good. Put on the back burner till next time. Oh, yes. Yes, that sounds like a lot of good stuff. We started a part one of the Bungie Activision split on our last episode of the PCC Multiverse. And this sounds like a good follow-up next Friday. Not only that, but a preview of Glass coming this weekend to the movies as well. But right now, for me, it's back to some old-school retro gaming. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the old-school pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping... You have yourself a great day. Hey gang, are you looking for another podcast to listen to? Well, you're in luck. The Nerdy Laser is a podcast, and we specialize in 90s nerd culture. But we don't leave anything out. If something is cool and nerdy... We will talk about it. So join myself, Richard Yule, and a variety of guests on the Nerdy Laser Podcast, available on iTunes, Podbean, and the ESO Network. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network Podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos, and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.